Hi, welcome to Everything's Coming Up STEM. We are your hosts, Zikambiani and Kunda. In this episode, we'll be discussing renewable energy, so stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everything's Coming Up STEM. Today, we'll be discussing renewable energy, and we are joined by Jane Nakatamu. Uh, hi, Jane. How are you doing? Hi, Zikambiani. I am doing great. How are you doing? I am doing great. We're very excited to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> So I suppose we want to know we want to know more about you, Jane. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Okay, all right. Um, so where to start from? You know, there's a lot there, but I would like to start by saying, um, you know, I'm Zambian uh, by birth, and I've uh, lived most of my life in Zambia. I only left the country for the longest period when I went to study uh, my bachelor's degree. So I studied international relations at Cyprus International University. That was from 2013 to 2017. Right after I graduated, I came back to Zambia and I officially just started working and just trying to get, you know, my feet on the ground, so to speak. So yeah, that is my academic background. I'm currently also studying my master's with UNICAF University. I am doing an MBA in oil and gas management. And how I found myself within the world of STEM, well, I've always sort of been inclined towards STEM, starting from even high school. I did computer science in my high school. And whilst at university, you know, I was always interested in how we can use, you know, science and technology to improve the human condition. That's like an oversimplification of things. But yeah, basically, um, yeah, that was uh, pretty much uh, how I found myself in STEM in my background. Okay, that's really nice. Um, so what, what has your actual journey been like as a woman in the energy sector? Because you actually mentioned that you're studying, you're doing your master's in uh, gas and that's like more renewable energy related. So what's your actual journey been like as a woman in the energy sector? Okay, um, so how I found myself in the energy sector, let me just start from there. Basically, as I was mentioning, um, you know, how I found myself in STEM, in high in my uh, university rather i was very proactive in terms of business in terms of you know um, international relations and also the clubs that were there at my university and um, in my high school actually as i was doing my computer science i was part of a club known as the net generation of youth club that basically created a global community of youths who are sort of like being trained how to be media literate and to be cyber journalists. So my journey really started from there, taking an interest in the global and how it affects us even at a domestic level. And uh, from there, I went to university and I was so committed and really, you know, the Net Generation Club for me was such an amazing experience. I had gotten to travel to the States for, um, an international diplomacy training. And um, I also got to meet amazing people. And I also got to meet career, um, you know, people who are 
doing well in their careers, so to speak, that really used to inspire us as young people. Yeah, so when I was in uh, university, I just felt like I should continue with the Net Generation of Youth Club. That's how I founded the club at university. And what we would do is that we would really solve issues and you know look at the global issues and see how we can make our little contribution to these issues. And um, one of the things that we did is that we came up with a business idea because we we we, we encountered the uh, the ethos of you know social entrepreneurship that was really interesting for us. How you could build an enterprise that was not only you know generating profit but also improving the society. And one challenge that we discovered, um, some of my friends coming from Zambia as well, was the issue of energy poverty in Zambia. So this is the situation where people don't have access to modern, to affordable and reliable, sustainable energy for consumption, particularly for cooking. Um, once we discovered this challenge, we just started brainstorming really. It really just started from ideation because we didn't really know what exactly we wanted to do, but we started to ideate how we can contribute to that. And I was so committed. I think that's something about me. I'm super committed to um, everything that I believe in. And I was, so after I graduated, I wished to continue with it. So that's how um, after graduating, coming back to Zambia and working other jobs, I decided to register the company and see what we could do on the ground. That's where we went through the whole journey of piloting and prototyping. So as a woman, I was taking the lead because I strongly believed in the vision and I still strongly believe in the vision. And the journey has not been easy because, um, you know, I just discovered that there aren't so many women in the energy sector in Zambia. It was easier at school because, you know, at a university setup, girls, boys, women, men are all encouraged to do their best and to achieve. But in the real world, it's actually different. Women now in the real world, uh, you know, there are all these stereotypes about women just basically sitting down and uh, waiting for the food to be brought to the kitchen for them to cook and the like. But I decided to take a whole different approach in, in that, you know, even from that sort of restricted space is where I decided I wanted to focus on and finding myself within the energy sector, particularly finding myself within the, you know, uh, cook stove sector was something that really happened through a lot of steps and a lot of encouragement from people, you know, to, to discover modern energy cooking solutions for Zambia. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey. And as a woman, it's been challenging, but at the same time, it's also been pretty exciting, you know, cause then, then you are really making an impact if you're one of the few people actually doing this. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, I felt like that was really interesting. I like how you, um, brought about the interest coming in from school and you starting the club back in school but you actually haven't mentioned um the name of the company and what specific area that you when you say cooking uh innovation with regards to the cooking energy just tell us a little bit more about that um thanks um kunda so um i would say that um well greenboard energy is the name of the company to start with Greenboard Energy Limited, and we are a Zambian company that is, you know, working in renewable energy, particularly producing biogas as a safe cooking gas and uh, biogas stoves, and also creating a, a cooking solution that enables women to cook fast, safe, and clean. I say women because from our surveys, it's mostly women that are doing the domestic cooking. Um, and the company itself was co-founded um, 
with uh, Salim, as well as Chanika Nakasamo, Salim Baruk. And, um, you know, we, like I mentioned, in our university days, we're just out there trying to save the world. And we are still very committed to the vision. Basically, what we're doing is that we are converting waste into energy. Waste being organic waste from food, agricultural waste from farms, municipal waste from um, cities like dam sites and the like. So that kind of organic waste is the one that we're using as a feedstock to produce biogas. The biogas itself is, um, you know, comprised mainly of methane that is, you know, can be used for cooking. So it's pretty much natural gas. Um, like the same liquid petroleum gas that we use for cooking, we can also generate the natural gas from waste resources. And that's the core uh, focus of the company at the moment. Okay, cool. That's really interesting, Jane. I feel like a question that I have is um, with energy, right? There's so many different issues around it. But why did you decide specifically to focus on cooking and like finding cooking solutions with the that are more renewable what 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 kind of led you to the decision as green belt energy right um so it, it mainly started from understanding what exactly was going on with customers on the ground and um understanding the environmental problems that they alone but this is this is a problem that is common to sub-saharan africa and it's the issue of over dependence on charcoal for cooking. So studies have shown that 70%, in fact, 80%, I would say, of our population are using charcoal and firewood for cooking. And this over dependence on charcoal and firewood is leading to environmental degradation because we are cutting down trees. I mean, just the way we make charcoal is, is really, really um, wasteful. We have to burn an entire bush and just get some of that, you know, uh, charcoal from that burning and use it for our cooking. Most of it is wasted. What happens is that we're actually losing more forests than we are, you know, growing. So it's a serious environmental threat. It's been affecting even the ecosystems of different parts of the country. It's also leading to climate change from the greenhouse gas emissions and all those different other issues. That's just from the production stage. When we come to the usage, when we're using charcoal and firewood, it's polluting our air. It's leading to, you know, it's producing hazardous gases that are affecting respiratory systems. And there are a lot of studies that are showing that it actually goes beyond that. Cataracts and other diseases can be associated to cooking with charcoal and firewood. And there are also issues of pre, um, prenatal deaths that can be associated as well to the usage of charcoal and firewood. So it takes on a, an environmental a health challenge that really affects us. And it's a silent killer that hasn't been get, getting too much attention over the years. I think it's just now that we are actually paying a, a bit more attention to it. So that's where it all started from. It started from solving a challenge that's really affecting our society and bringing in a solution that is sustainable, a solution that makes profits in order to sustain its own operation. So that's where the company itself was born from. And that's how we found ourselves focusing on the cook cooking, on the cooking sector, providing a modern energy cooking solution. So there aren't a lot of companies that are in the sector, which is a good thing, so to speak, 
because you know this gives us that advantage but at the same time it means that there are not enough people addressing this challenge so that's why we have really decided to focus on this area oh yeah that's actually interesting when you were um going through some of the hazards that come up like with you using charcoal and also our heavy reliance on that i think that's also something that i've noticed since that's um working in the renewable energy field we have solutions for lighting we have solutions for you know charging phones and minor things but when it came to cooking that's something that was lacking but then what i wanted to find out is how have you actually managed to make that shift you know um culturally i think that's something that's just been in people's minds you just get the firewood and that's something that we've all gone with but how have you found it that people are accommodating the product and trying to actually make that shift for the benefit of the environment and everyone else okay um well i would say that the shift itself just like you've stated is very psychological it goes beyond just you know marketing a product and someone just buying it because if you market a product they can use it today they will probably go back to the the usual tomorrow so it's really about understanding what the the, the consumer mindset is what drives them to to using it and the three main issues that have been summarized are firstly the availability of the product the affordability and even the usage you know is it efficient yeah we know that charcoal is available it's pretty much in every corner of the streets in every market you can buy charcoal but alternatives to charcoal that's where the issue is there aren't as available as charcoal itself we are trying to solve as a company which is a really huge barrier a huge you know inhibitor towards really gaining access to the markets to be able to provide a product and have it really there for people to be using. And um, aside from that, even just the awareness, there has been some awareness campaigns that have been done just to sensitize people. But then if alternatives aren't really there, then you know the awareness doesn't really have an impact. I mean, okay, you tell someone the problems and the difficulties, then what, what do they do with that information? So um, really just trying to build an ecosystem where the products are available, the products are also affordable for people to use, and also just having a product that is efficient, a product that is going to enable them to cook better and they actually enjoy cooking and say, wow, okay, this is actually saving me energy. This is actually saving me money. This is actually saving me time. And just you know, trying to strike that balance is not easy it's something that is rather challenging but i guess we are up to the challenge in any case you know we we want to do it at uh, you know as uh, as i will do whatever we can rather to get to that stage all right cool i think um when you said that you can find like charcoal at every corner that kind of brought up a question in my mind which was around like infrastructure like for example for charcoal, you need like a brazier and, and you use that too for your cooking and, and whatnot. But when it comes to like biogas, is it does it get more complicated on like the tools that are needed to kind of use the biogas? Is, they, is, it, is that something that you also look at? And uh, how, how, what's basically the difference? How easy is it to have like the tools to use biogas for your cooking? Okay. Um, 
So the tools I would say are available, but not, not fully. Um, currently we do have, like I stated, there are a few companies that are within this space. So we do have a few companies that are working up to now has been on agricultural clients, on farmers, so to speak. So if you're a farmer and you have cattle, you have organic waste, it's easy to set up a biodigester at your farm that you can be using for your cooking needs. And that's great. I mean, you, you, you stop buying electricity for cooking or you stop buying LPG gas, you use your own waste, you're saving money, it's great. But when we talk about the rest of the population, which is rather the higher proportion of the population that are actually consuming charcoal the most, there aren't, uh, there isn't enough infrastructure that is developed for them to be able to use it. So like biogas stoves are not in the market at the moment. Um, what's commonly there is LPG, which, you know, from our surveys, some people are afraid of using LPG for so many reasons. Like um, they assume that it will blow up in their house or, you know, maybe it's a little bit too expensive for them and things like that, or they're just not familiar to the product. So the infrastructure hasn't been developed to that extent, especially for biogas. We don't have the infrastructure right now available for people to be using it more than they're using okay but that's something that we're like working towards like how long do you think we'll have like that sort of infrastructure set up for everyone like i don't want to say in the country but for like most of the population to be able to use biogas i would say um it's a matter of investment really um there has to be you know it's not gonna happen on its own somebody needs to make that decision to say okay i will invest in biogas and they, you know, build um, the bio plant or they build the infrastructure or they supply the product to customers. So depending on the, the you know, the, the, the will that is there, it can be done. And I believe that it's also on a policy level um, in as much as companies such as Greenboard Energy are willing to invest in it. Do we have the, cap the capability to launch out a large scale commercial plants, you know, so those are the main inhibiting challenges. But I would say that, um, you know, I would rather, <laughs> you know, like to encourage you um, to say that we have thus far done as much as we can, and we are doing even more, and we're going to do even more in the future in terms of investment in the bioenergy sector. I feel that the more we continue to talk about it and do something about it, we will get more players in the field. And um, also trying to secure large investment within such uh, projects is also one way of getting it done. And that's something that we have done as Greenboard Energy by working together with other stakeholders to secure investment in a more commercial facility. So we've been able to secure investment in a facility in Chipata. So Chipata has one of the hard, uh, highest margins of energy poverty. Um, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if you've ever been to Chipata, but I don't know what image comes to your mind when you think about Chipata. So yeah, um, there's been a lot of deforestation within Chipata and most of it is chocolate. And that is where we've been able to secure some investment to do a commercial facility. So we're hoping that from such a demonstration, we will be able to really show the potential that biogas has in Zambia and pull even more investment for larger projects to reach even more people. 
Okay, yeah, I really I'm also looking towards that. I think, like you said, the more something is talked about, the more it's highlighted, the more there's more awareness and people actually see the need of it. So I'm really glad that we had you on our platform and we had you here to actually highlight and talk about certain things because I think there are other things that also overlooked before I never much considered. But I think after this, I really now uh, will try to make the shift in my own home in my own household at least because i i noticed even though you know we we have electricity and all we're still dependent on charcoal it's sort of like a mindset that we have and it's we've been brought out but they're not considering the effects that happen afar off yeah i think it's been quite insightful and i think i've learned a lot um i think i'm going to do more research into biogas and green built energy because it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of great work and you know we're happy for that because we need such work in our country. So that's really good. Do you have any questions for us, Jane? <laughs> um, I don't have any questions. I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. I'm always excited to speak about my work and what we're doing, because I know that um, people hearing and actually understanding what's going on will make action. So it's good to hear that you're switching. <laughs> Kunda to something more sustainable. I'm glad to hear that. And I hope that we can all just really switch and save our forests because they are out there being chopped. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Once again, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. That's Twitter and Instagram at Tukule STEM. Facebook, we are Tukule STEM Network. And if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss or if you'd like to feature on the show, let us know and join us next time when everything's coming up STEM.